Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Well, Ray, the Warriors finally, finally have won three in a row. And also, they have not lost three in a row this year. So, I mean, this is the first time that they pull this off. And it, it comes on the heels of losing a couple of games in a row on the road that they really didn't intend on losing at Orlando and really that improbable loss at Charlotte. And this was kind of the revenge game on Friday night against the Hornets, 130-121, to 121, the final. And I don't know, Ray, I don't think I've ever seen this many dunks in a game, uh, or at least yeah. in the first half. Uh, for the Warriors, I mean, I, I don't. They didn't really track it. I mean, I'm sure somebody's tracking it. I didn't see the statistic on it, but it was just constant dunks. It reminded me of uh, remember the team that Andy Enfield had in the NCAA tournament about, about seven, eight years ago. Uh, they called them Dunk City. It was a uh, Florida mm-hmm. Gulf Coast. Kind of reminded me of that yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that that's a poll right there. I was <laughs> thinking Florida Gulf Coast. That's some deep deep knowledge there. Andy Enfield, who who wrote that to. A job at USC. Yeah, yeah, right? and they're a good team this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are. Um, but I was thinking Showtime. Yeah, uh, the Showtime the Lakers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Green was doing his magic imitation, and again, it's not just because both went to Michigan State, but it was a six, seven, six, eight guy running the offense and, and, you know, making sure that they keep up the pace and uh, just so many dimes. And Draymond Green ended up with a career high of 19 assists. That's ridiculous. And the Warriors, yeah, that's the most since Baron Davis. You know, so that's going back a ways, 12 or 13 years. Uh, he was terrific tonight, and he's been terrific ever since the uh, the meltdown uh, at the end of the Charlotte game. And, you know, you feel like they should have won that one, and they really should have four wins in a row and be six games over 500 and be occupying the fifth spot. They're very close to the fifth spot. But, uh, you know, much better basketball this last week, that's for sure. And 48 buckets tonight, 38 assists. That reminds me of the Warriors when they were at their peak a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but it was like two games. They were, they were just, just throwing, throwing the rock everywhere and uh, and getting uh, assists by by the dozen early on in this game. And there were so many dunks, especially for Kelly Oubre. Then the bench came in in the second quarter, and everything ground to a halt. <laughs> they scored three points. In five and a half, six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's actually even more than that. Because I think it was about 5.30 when Steph and Draymond came in the game. I think you're right. And, and, and they still didn't score for a little bit there. So it was, it was a good seven minutes where they scored three points, where the ball wasn't moving around, where there's a lot of one-on-one play. And, you know, that's where your backup point guard, in this case Wanamaker, has to get things going, get the ball moving. And it wasn't happening. And, and Charlotte took the lead. And then what happened? Steph and Draymond got back in the game. It wasn't long before they started putting up points again. As a matter of fact, they scored 27 in the final 440. You know, after scoring three in the second quarter, they scored 27. Then that, that unit scored 37 in the third quarter. So they scored 64 points in, the, in a little over 16 minutes. You know, the, and for, for a team that's not up there, in the uh, offensive efficiency rankings in the NBA, I think they're 19th right now. Uh, they looked elite at times. And, you know, I think we're starting to see uh, a glimpse of what's going to come with this team. They're understanding the offense. 
they're starting to play together and making the nonverbal communication that we were so used to with that group of great players that took brought them championships over the years, and they, they, they that group was together for so long. Uh, this group has not been together that long, except for you know Draymond Curry and and, and Looney. And you're starting to see that communication. You're starting to see them be on the same page. You know, understanding where they're supposed to be on the floor. In particular, Kelly Oubre. And one of the things, you know, he's been good in a lot of areas in the last month or so, but especially off the ball, cutting to the basket. He knows exactly where to go, and he's getting a lot of easy buckets that way. So, yeah, you're seeing the signs of growth. I mean, it's three steps forward, two steps back, but it's slowly coming with this team. In the meantime, they're fourth in the league in defensive efficiency. So, and, and, and we saw a great example of that when they were taking on the Knicks. That kind of looked like a 90s basketball game. Well, tonight the pace was super fast, and they were able to win that style of basketball. So it's encouraging that, they, you know, even after the, the disasters they had on the road, they bounced back and now have won three in a row, and here come the Lakers Sunday. Yeah, and we'll talk about the upcoming schedule being so difficult. But you mentioned Draymond Green and sort of the uh, revenge game really for him because of the mistake that he made in Charlotte when he got the double technical, gets ejected, and and it was just a dramatic loss for the Warriors. Uh, But here's the thing. I mean, a few few items here to talk about with Draymond. First of all, one of the things I love about Draymond is that he owned it. He didn't try to get away from that and, and try to blame it on the officials or blame it on somebody else or whatever. He he owned what happened. Now, has he has he grown from his his problems of you know getting mad at officials? Well, no, not really. I mean, he, he continues to do this. It's part of his competitiveness. I mean, this is the way he is. I mean, I, the, the Warriors uh, don't want to live without uh, the kind of player that he is, but I don't know that he's ever Ray. I don't know that he's ever going to get over the fact that, uh, he gets emotional out there and, and it just gets the better of him. And he might do it for a week or two, but it, it always seems to come back and haunt him. But, but I'll give him a lot of credit because he owns up to it. And I think that gains the respect of the coaching staff and especially his teammates, because several of his teammates came to his defense after that and said they had his back. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Eric Pascal uh, being one of those, and I think Oubre was another. And you know, you got some new guys on this team who maybe don't know him as well, just know him as a you know competitor. Although a lot of the guys in the league know each other pretty well anyway, even if they're on different teams. It's a it's a rather close fraternity, but uh, I think that he had to say that it was pretty obvious. He cost them the game pretty much. Uh, is he going to grow from this? I mean, you would have thought he had grown after the sixteen finals. Yeah, and you know, uh, I, yeah, you know, LeBron lobbied the league. Uh, you could say that much, but Draymond put himself in that situation. It's been that way. Here we are, five years later. It's been the same thing. So if it if it hasn't happened by this point in his career, I don't know if it's gonna happen. All I can say is maybe he's mindful, even with the fire with which he plays, which has helped drive the Warriors to championships. Maybe. Maybe he can learn to pick his spots. You know, uh, that that was egregious. What happened in Charlotte, and so you, you can't have that happen again. I'm afraid it will, but I hope it doesn't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he was self-aware enough to, to, you know, tell the team, "Hey, man, I'm sorry." Uh, you know, it, although it, it was obvious to everybody what had happened. Uh, you know, Steve Kerr and, and Draymond Green have gone the rounds for almost. Uh, seven years now 
and he's been with the Warriors for almost a decade. This is kind of who he is. You would yeah. hope, you know, 30 years old now, some of the rough edges come off. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a different player than he was a few years ago, but he's getting back to being uh, a pretty damn effective player. And you know, I think you judge that part of it as well, how he's responded on the court. And he's responded brilliantly in the last week. So let's, let's hope he keeps it going in that way and doesn't cost him with a, with a huge technical down the road. There was a point tonight where he got called for a foul, and he was arguing with the referee, and I was thinking, easy, easy, Draymond. <laughs> Not now, you know. And to his credit, he didn't, he didn't extend the argument. He just walked away. So maybe, maybe there's, there's a learning moment here for him. But you know what? 11 points, 12 rebounds, 19 assists. That was as much a testimony. Plus 23. He had a plus 23 tonight. Uh, he's been really good the last week. And you can tell he's getting in better and better shape. And, you know, he even mentioned it uh, post-game tonight that you know, he, he's, he's getting his, his wind back. But, you know, when you play the kind of pace they were playing tonight, and Charlotte was getting after it, it makes it kind of harder. And he mentioned the after effects. You know, it's harder to deal with. The after effects, and I assume, and maybe I'll clarify later, because he he did, was in the COVID nineteen protocol, that it's taken him this long to, to get back into basketball shape. And we mentioned that at the, at the start of the season for Draymond when it started very slowly, and I think that's one of the reasons they started out so poor defensively, as well as guys getting to know each other and communicating. And he's one of the big reasons now that they are fourth in the league. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just his defense. It's the way he communicates and gets everybody else on board as far as playing defense. And then on offense, I mean, Steve Kerr even mentioned it after the game when you have to bring a, a bigger player out on the point because Draymond's, you know, handling the ball out there. Uh, then all of a sudden it frees up the inside where you don't have that big player, you know, a four or a five uh, down low. And that's that's opening up a lot of those dunk opportunities. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you, know, you wondered also how it works when you have Wiseman on the floor or when you have Looney on the floor. You, you know, I, I like the way the team moved when Juan Toscano-Anderson was on the floor. I thought that small group was, was pretty good. Uh, but now you're bringing back some people that, that you want to have back, but it's kind of been a readjustment period. Uh, but I, I think what is happening is, they are learning to space the floor a little bit better. The defense is always going to gravitate toward Curry, and they're working out, and they're getting a lot of experience at this because they keep on running people at Curry, uh, including a couple of bigs at the three-point line. How do you work around that? But once Curry gets around those, there's a real opportunity for the offense. and you know, It's starting to be reflected in better results, and I think they feel it, that there's something pretty good coming on. they just got to keep working at it. Is Kelly Oubre the Brandon Belt of the Warriors? Because, I mean, you know, you know how it is with Brandon Belt and the Giants uh, where fans would get all over him if he was slumping, and then all of a sudden he would just go on this hot streak. And for Kelly Oubre, I think people wanted to run him out of town after the first few weeks of the season, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he just could not knock down a three at all. And, he, you know, he just wasn't making good decisions. It seemed like he was forcing those shots. But like you yeah. mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, you were talking about his decision-making and driving to the basket and you know getting so many dunks and realizing that you know he can get a lot of easy baskets just by cutting and you know the, the you know Draymond Green and and uh, Steph Curry and others on his team his teammates are finding him so it's almost like a totally different Kelly Oubre now. 
Well, if he's the Brandon Belt of the Warriors, are are, are people complaining about his Gumby shoulders? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever saw that. that. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if he's been around long enough for fans to develop that kind of passion, because I can tell you, doing sports talk shows, few topics ever inspired as much passion one way or the other as Brandon Belt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Oubre has, uh, has matched that as far as passion from the fan base, but you've know, you, you got to like what he's been doing in the last month. And it, I don't know. I don't see too many players that have had a 180 like this, but I guess it does happen, especially with a new team. And you can you can tell he's thinking the game uh, a lot more, and you know things are coming more naturally to him. And that includes shot selection, where to be on the floor, off the ball. His defense has been pretty good all along, and that's one thing we mentioned from the from the get go. It didn't look like he was figuring out the offense. It didn't look like he was a fit. Twenty games in, well. The next 17 games have been something, as as uh, as the Wizard of Oz said, that's the horse of a different color. <laughs> the last 17 games or so has been so much better, and his confidence is just soaring, especially from three-point range. He's got that, that right corner three pretty much nailed down now. But he's starting to learn how to drive, and he, well, he wasn't finishing early in the year. He was just one of the worst dunkers around, and I guess he begged off the uh, the dunk contest for the All Star break, and that was probably a wise decision. Uh, he's had the most ambitious dunk attempts, that's for sure, uh, at least on the Warriors the first part of the season. But everything seems to be coming together for him, and he had 27 points tonight. He had six rebounds, three assists. You know, he's always going to manage a steal or a block here and there, and you know, take advantage of that seven foot plus wingspan that he has. Uh, and he's taking advantage of the offensive end, and he's starting to finish a little better, too. So uh, it absolutely was necessary for him to step up and be more reliable offensively, and it couldn't have been much worse than it was in the first 20 games. I don't remember a shooter that was that cold for that long. <laughs> Outside of a few years ago, Clay started out like 5 for 35 from three-point range. I do remember that. And then, it, then he busts out with a, a game where he makes 14 threes. You always know it's there with Clay. I don't think we're as familiar with Ubre as to you know what his capabilities are. If you haven't watched him as closely, he was always kind of an irritant on the on the opposing team. Looked like a guy who might be a fit for the Warriors as a as an athletic wing, but it it would look like square peg in the round hole for the first twenty games or so. But he's figuring it out, and that's reflected in the Warriors' record. How about the second unit? I mean, you were talking about how uh, poor they played there in the second quarter. I mean, they just couldn't get it going. And you can't blame Damian Lee because he actually played well and he knocked down some big shots. But Brad Wanamaker yeah. definitely is slumping. He's missing layups. He he just seems like he's, he's not able to get it together, especially of late. And Eric Paschal didn't have his best performance there. And, and I think Steve Kerr made a good point postgame talking about how he really hasn't played the same guys together. I mean, some of that is because yeah. he's had some players out. I mean, with Looney and Wiseman out, it changed the whole rotation. So let's hear what Kerr had to say after the game. It's not like we've had a consistent rotation um, lately. You know, we we did for a while um, playing Eric at the five. Uh, now the last few games, last couple games, we've played Eric at the four and James at the five. So it's a brand new brand new lineup, um, given the difference in dynamics. Um, with Eric at the five and and small guys around him, it's an easier flow to find. And so, you know, if we're going to stick with this uh, this group playing together, 
they got to find their offensive rhythm, but more than anything, they got to get stops. That's what uh, that's what keeps the momentum in the game is making stringing together some stops. What do you think the Warriors need to do as far as trying to get it going with that second unit because that was not so great tonight? Well, they might need to get a, another backup point guard. Because, yeah, and and I, I know Wanamaker's been in this league. I don't think a lot of people paid that close attention to him when he was with Boston. But that's another guy, and I, I don't want to deliver a final verdict on him because we almost did that with Ubre prematurely. Right. Uh, we're halfway through the season. Uh, this guy has not shown much at all on the offensive end. And I've been asking all year exactly what does he do. Now, Steve Kerr says they, he's been a big reason they've improved on the defensive end. Okay, but they're, they're stagnant offensively. And he, he's not a great creator. He's not been a good shooter, so you just wonder what he offers outside of the defense. Uh, and, I mean, the 12 minutes he played tonight were a painful 12 minutes. He was a minus 14. And we've seen that too often this year. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much longer they can go with him because, again, you just have some games where there's a massive drop-off with the second unit, especially offensively. Uh, they're a little bit better in the fourth quarter. They kind of held the lead you know, most of the way. And as a matter of fact, the, the starters came back in and nearly blew it at the end inexplicably, but they, they finally hung on and got it done. But you got Jeremy Lynn sitting down there. Do you knock somebody off a roster spot to, to bring Lynn back up? Or do you bring Jordan Poole's putting up big numbers in Santa Cruz? Uh, I think that's something that at least is under active discussion. Because if you could get a backup point guard who's, who can bring you something offensively, that would make a big difference for that second unit. Uh, it's, and the other part of it is, uh, I don't know, there's some nights where Wiseman doesn't look like a fit when he's in there with, say, Pascal and, and Wanamaker. Uh, you know, it just doesn't look like it works out as well as, obviously, it would when he's playing with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. So that's another thing that they have to figure out the minutes for Wiseman. I mean, he could have 17 minutes and 16 points tonight. So the production is there. But it's definitely better with the first unit than with the second. So these are all, you know, kind of parts that they have to figure out. And what you don't want to do is have that bench sink you. Uh, and I still think there's a danger of that. They had a couple of good games on the road trip, but there have been more often than not games like tonight where, uh, you know, they squander leads. And it's basically hold your breath for six minutes until Steph and Draymond come back in. Yeah, and I think it's a tough call for Steve Kerr as far as what you're talking about with Wiseman because he would love for Wiseman to have more minutes with Curry yeah. and Green and the starters, but Kevon Looney is just solid. I mean, you have to have him in there in crunch time the way he plays. He doesn't make mistakes, especially defensively, where Wiseman as a rookie, I mean, there was one where he didn't rotate over and Steve Kerr called the timeout. Uh, yep. and Looney just doesn't make those mistakes, and he sets great screens, and he, he does all the little dirty work. And, I mean, he's just improved immensely uh, since he came into the league. And I don't know that I want to take him out of his spot. I mean, he just seems like a guy you want to have in there in crunch time. Sure. And, you know, again, he works so well with Curry. And they've got that, that unspoken communication, and he's one of the best screen setters on the team to free up Curry. So you want that, you want the, the rebounding, you want the defense, and I think he's a big part of their team's defense. Didn't miss a shot tonight. He was very solid in 20 minutes. And, you know, Wiseman was, was in there to start the fourth quarter, and Steve Kerr pulled him after a minute and brought in Juan Toscano Anderson uh, because Wiseman was missing some things defensively, and I think 
takes a couple of ill-advised shots. Um, you know, it's a, still a learning process for this guy, uh, but they think he's, he's getting closer and closer to where he needs to be on it, on his learning curve, again, acknowledging that he's still very young and inexperienced. Even, you know, he'll show you flashes like that spin move in the paint in the first half for an easy bucket. Uh, this guy is going to be scary at some point. So you want to give him that experience, and so you're going to put up with certain things. But at the same time, it's good to have Looney back because there are going to be times where Lyson can't play against certain teams or can't play much. And, and Looney's going to be in there to be a stabilizing force. Um, you know, that's obviously something they missed on that road trip. Uh, and it's something they want to get used to, you know, for the second half of the season. All right, the schedule, we touched on it a little bit, and the Warriors now 19-15 and 15 as we record this podcast on Friday night, and they're, they're right in the middle of things in the Western Conference, Ray. I mean, they're right up there with the Spurs, Blazers, you know, uh, basically, you know, tied for the five spot uh, virtually uh, with all those teams uh, basically four games over 500 now, but now you got the Lakers Sunday, and they're not they're not the same team without Anthony Davis. They've been kind of mediocre ever since he went out, and then you play at Portland, at Phoenix, and Portland's lost uh, four games in a row, so they're not playing that great lately, but Phoenix is a team that's been uh, playing pretty good basketball. Then the All-Star break, and after that, you got to play at the Lakers, Utah, Lakers at home. I mean, this is a really, really difficult stretch here for the next few weeks. Yeah, they're at the Clippers. Okay, if we're 24 and 11 right now, the Jazz are 26 and 7, and the Lakers are 23 and 11. So you got three games there in a row where they play teams with a combined record of 73 and 29 oh. right at this moment. Oh. So basically, 700 basketball these teams are playing, and, and, and you've got to play them back to back to back. Uh, this is going to be like putting a cement block through a wood chipper. Yeah, it's going to be a tough schedule for them. And, and then you look ahead, they're, they're at Houston after the Lakers, and then they've got a back-to-back in Memphis. Uh, so they'll have three road games in four nights before they get a little break. So throw those into the mix as well. Those are, uh, because of the schedule, that's a tough nine-game stretch. Uh, and you hope they don't play themselves out of a playoff spot during that time. Now, can they beat the Lakers? Sure. Now, Schroeder came back tonight. That definitely helped them and snapped their four-game losing streak because he's one of the guys who can give them some options on offense uh, outside of LeBron. Of course, Anthony Davis still out for a little while longer. Uh, they beat the Lakers earlier this year down in L.A., so they can do it. They can beat Portland, although it's always tough to go up there and play. Uh, they, they can beat Phoenix, although Phoenix beat them rather easily in Arizona earlier this season. They can beat the Clippers. They did it in San Francisco earlier this season. They'll be down in L.A. for, for that game, but the, the Clippers are playing damn good basketball right now. Um, so, yeah, that, you look at those games, and then you look at Houston, at Memphis, at Memphis, and you, know, you hope through the nine-game stretch you go five and four, uh, you know, maybe four and five. And if you do that, you're not playing yourself out of playoff contention. But you go two and seven, one and eight, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it is in the realm of possibility. These are really tough games. Then you're in trouble. Then you're well below 500, and it's a real climb to, to get back into it. But if you can just hold serve during your stretch, I think they'll be in very good shape to, to make a playoff run after that. Uh, you know, Lakers be tough on Sunday. They, they always are, but again, they don't have Anthony Davis. They got Schroeder. Uh, I, I still think they believe that's the game they can get. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a very important stretch to just look at because this is a good time uh, where the Warriors are, are pretty hot. They're playing pretty good basketball, uh, but they haven't played teams like they're going to be playing here. I, I, it'll be the true test to see yeah. you know where they're going to end up at the end of the year, I think. If you look at this stretch, I mean, you look at two to three weeks here, and it'll probably be t- determining whether or not they're going to be a five or a six or if they're going to play in that play-in situation where they're a seven through ten team. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want the play-in, that's for sure. Uh, you're, you're gunning for that six seed if you can get it, even though it, you, you might have to play Utah in the first round, um, uh, you know, it, depending on what your position is, uh, or, or in the next round, I should say. So uh, Utah has been so good this year, and their point differential is the best in the NBA. Uh, and if they've got firepower, and they've got defense, and they've got Rudy Gobert, and they, they've just been on a hot streak of late, although they lost their last game. They're going to be so very tough. The only benefit is it's going to be a Sunday afternoon game in San Francisco, which is kind of a weird time. Uh, that That's always an X factor. Uh, but, yeah, I think we'll, we'll know what they're, where they're at after this, you know, especially the next six games, but especially, uh, uh, you know, maybe even nine games. But that, that six-game stretch against those real quality teams is going to tell a lot about this basketball team. And what we've seen, you know, lately is they can play defense. And if they continue to play defense well, they'll be in those games, home or road. Uh, what they're going to have to improve on probably is, is rebounding and getting these big guys back is, is going to help them in that regard. They've been pretty poor rebounding team. But they're second in pace in the league, they're second in assists, and they're fourth in team defensive efficiency. Uh, that's a pretty good combination. Uh, and so uh, I like their chances against some of these teams. Uh, and I'd, I'd rather play them now than, say, early on in the season when their defense was not nearly as good. They got a puncher's chance with Steph Curry. They got a puncher's chance with that defense. Absolutely. All right. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. Thanks a lot, Ray. Appreciate it. And look forward to talking to you next week. All right. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on the sportsvirus.com.